0: You know, it's a real shame when an important word like the word holy gets used as a slang word. You know what I'm talking about. Because I've used it myself. I've heard it often. Holy moly. Anybody ever said that? Holy smoke. Holy cow. Holy cow. Holy mackerel. Holy Toledo. Oh, he's just a holy roller. (laughs) That's how he rolls, amen. Even Christians have kind of lost touch with what being holy really means. But if we are going to know God as we should, we must begin understanding God's holiness better. Nearly every book of the Bible touches on God's holiness in some way or another. More than anything else in the Bible, God is called holy. And never more awesomely, if that's a word, than when John recorded some angels I believe it's on page 1098 in the Bibles in front of you. In Revelation 15.4, John records some angels saying these words. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. Now, the basic Bible word for holy means complete purity. Or complete goodness. Absolute justice. Absolute fairness. But it's more than that. Holiness. Also means. The absence of anything dark. The absence of anything sinful. Whatsoever. But holy is even more. Than the presence of purity. And the absence of evil. Holy. Is comes from a word that means set apart. It comes from a word that means peculiar, not in the weird way, but in the different kind of way. Holy means set apart. So in purity and in perfection, God is set apart from all of human beings. Now most people find it real difficult to put their finger on exactly what it means to be holy. They say they can recognize holiness when they see it. They say they can sense holiness, but they just can't articulate what it means. They can't describe what holiness means. But there's one thing for sure. When those people are in the presence of holiness, they feel their own limited ability. When people are in the presence of God's holiness, they absolutely will feel their own sinfulness. They will absolutely feel their own lack of purity. Because, friend, you see, that's how it is when we're in the presence of a holy God. We compare ourselves to him. And we find that we are sorely, sorely lacking. But we are not alone. Throughout the Bible, it's been the testimony of many mighty men of faith who found themselves in the presence of a holy God. And they looked as they encountered the presence of God And I want to share with you a few instances of how they responded when they encountered our holy God. I already mentioned Moses. Moses encountered our holy God soon after that burning bush experience atop Mount Sinai where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Moses said, God, please show me your glory. Show me. Your holiness. Now you'd think that Moses had seen enough. Of God's glory. You'd think that by the ten plagues that were sent on Pharaoh. And by dividing the Red Sea. And making water come from a rock. And manna come from heaven. And quail come down for his people. You'd think that Moses had seen enough of the glory of God. But Moses wanted more. I pray you've come to this place this morning wanting more. That you want to see more of the glory of God being manifest, not only in the life of this church, but in your life as an individual believer. Please show me your glory today, God. Show me your holiness. Now, Moses didn't get to see all of God's glory, but God was faithful enough to give him a little glimpse You know the story God said that he would pass by in front of Moses. But that he would shield Moses' view with his hand. And then when he passed by, Moses could then look. And he could see God passing by. And it's a good thing that Moses didn't see all of God's glory. Because according to the Bible, he would have been dead. But when Moses came down off that mountain. His face shone with the Shekinah glory, the reflected glory of God so much that he had to cover his face with a veil. He was so bright and shiny. Get this. Even a partial revelation of the holiness of God changes you physically. Physically. Even a partial revelation of God's holiness will change how people see you. It transformed Moses. And furthermore, God's holiness became immediately visible to everybody who saw him. Listen to me, friend. That should be the case with you and I. When we see the holiness of God, we should be changed, transformed immediately. And everybody should be able to see God's holiness through the life we live. Moses encountered it. But the prophet Isaiah also encountered the holiness of God. And Isaiah's encounter with the holiness of God was probably the most dramatic of all these encounters. During the year that the great king of Israel, Uzziah, died... Isaiah was in the temple. And here's what he's praying. He's praying. Oh God. What are we going to do now. That our great king of 52 years. Has died. Oh what are we going to do now. And while Isaiah was in prayer. God showed him. Who was truly the king of Israel. The Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord. Sitting on a throne. Who's the king? God's the king. And as Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on a throne, the throne, the whole trail of his robe filled the entire temple. Now, I watched the coronation of King Charles a little bit yesterday, and it took, it took five little boys carrying the back of his robe as he walked through the coronation process. Y'all, it's going to take 5 million people to handle the robe of God when we see him in the temple, in his worship place. And that's not all. God's countless subjects, the seraphim angels, the Bible says, were all crying out. Now picture this, y'all. God is in his temple. He's in the throne room. His, his robe is trailing everywhere. And now you got seraphim angels on top, below, to the right, to the left, diagonal, all around 360 degrees. And all those angels are all crying out the same thing. They're all saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Woo! holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. When Isaiah saw that, the only way that Isaiah could respond to this overwhelming revelation of God's holiness was to say, woe is me! I am undone. Woe is me! I am so far from that! I'm doomed. I'm a dead man. I'm doomed. I'm a man filled with sin. I'm a man with unclean lips, and I I, I live amongst people with unclean lips. You see, the only attribute of God that is repeated. Three times back to back. Is holy. 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 Would you say that with me? Holy. 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 Wow. Upon witnessing this glimpse. Just a glimpse mind you. Of the Lord's holiness. Isaiah responded the same as everybody else. I'm so unworthy to see this. I'm so unworthy. To be here. But Moses and Isaiah weren't the only ones to encounter the holiness of God. The Apostle Paul also encountered the the holiness of God. See, before becoming the Apostle Paul, the fellow's name was Saul. And Saul was on a seek and destroy mission to try to snuff out the first churches. But on one such mission to Damascus, a bright light comes down from heaven. It shines down on Saul. And Saul fell to the ground in response to the holiness of God. He didn't realize it at first. But he was being confronted by the risen Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory. In all of his holiness. And that experience blinded Saul. It hammered him physically. But listen, it also ultimately converted him to faith in Christ, which means that it changed him spiritually. See, when you come across the holiness of God, it changes you A to Z. Changes who you are physically. It changes who you are mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. It changes everything about you. When Paul encountered the holiness of God, The Bible records what I believe is probably the most profound, most prolific, life-changing experience anybody has ever experienced. Saul, the murderer, the murderer of Christians, the murderer of God's people, all of a sudden became the most effective apostle that ever lived. Can I tell you that can happen to us too? When you encounter the holiness of God, it will change your life. But there's another fellow that encountered the holiness of God. His name was John. He was also an apostle. And as John was being punished in exile on the the island of Patmos... John was also given a glimpse of heaven and he saw Jesus seated on his throne. And in Revelation 117, John says, when I saw him seated on the throne, I fell before his feet as dead. He was that. See, when we read about the encounters With God's holiness. One thing is clear. Ain't none of us. Ever seen the holiness of God like that. Do you think you've seen the holiness of God like that? I ain't never seen the holiness of God like that. That being the case. What should be my response? To God's holiness. What should be your response? To God's holiness. Should you encounter it? When you're surrounded by God's glory, what will your heart feel? Will you dance for Jesus? Or in awe of him be still? Will you stand in his presence or to your knees will you fall? Will you be singing hallelujah? Or will you be able to speak at all? Like you, I can only imagine. What happens when we encounter the holiness of God? Well, one thing's for sure. When we understand God's holiness more clearly, certain things will become true of me and you. For example, the first thing that will become true of us is that we will begin to see ourselves as we really are. See, I think sometimes we put ourselves up on a bit of a pedestal and we think we're a whole lot better than what we really are. But the more we see of God's holiness, the more we see our own unholiness. The more I see God's holiness, the more I see my own unworthiness. The more I see God's holiness, the more I see how far I fall short. Romans 3.23 kind of says it all for me. That all have sinned. And fall short. Of the glory of God. The more I understand God's holiness. The more I agree. God I have missed the mark. The more I see God's holiness. The more I agree with God. I have fallen so. So short. I liken it to shooting a bow and arrow. I've got my arrow drawn, and i got my target right smack at the bullseye, and I let her go, and my arrow does this. Totally misses the mark. And so I redraw my next, my next arrow. And I've got my eye on the bullseye, and I'm getting ready, and I let her go, and my arrow does this. It's all short. It misses the mark. That's me when I encounter the holiness of God. And as long as I'm falling short, I can never fellowship with God. Listen to me on the basis of who I am or on the basis of my own life. The best I can offer God is the filthy rags of righteousness that I got. That's all I got to offer him on my own. See, friend, this is the bad news. This is the bad news that we must understand before the good news of the gospel can make any sense to us. we got to understand the bad news. You see, before someone will see their need for a savior, they must see why they need to be saved in the first place. That's why it's so important for us when we're leading children to Christ that they understand what (laughs) sin is. That they understand that there is a penalty for sin and they don't want no part of it. It is that penalty for sin that we need to be saved from. Because God's holiness is the only standard for heaven, God's perfect holiness is the only standard. For which is, that is acceptable to him. To allow people in heaven. And we simply cannot achieve that on our own. Listen to me. We need help. And praise God. Saw, God saw what we needed. And he provided. The help that we needed. So when we begin to understand God's holiness. More clearly. We will see ourselves. As we really are. But did you know that we will also understand the cross. Much much better. Think about it. It's hard to understand the cross. It's hard to understand why our heavenly father would kill his one and only son. That's what he did. He allowed him to be killed. Why did he do that? Why did the Father allow the Son to be killed? Friends, let me tell you. It all has to do with the holiness of God. If you don't understand the holiness of God, the cross of Christ will never make sense to you. Jesus came to provide unholy people access to, To a holy God. Had Christ not died for our sins. Had he not died for our unholiness. We would have remained in our sin. And we never ever would have gained access to our holy God in heaven. It couldn't have happened. The Bible says that God. In his holiness. could Could not even look upon the cross. As his son. Hung there, shrouded in our sin. He couldn't even look at it. You think he's going to allow you into heaven without Christ? Jesus did carry the sins of the world. He did it by carrying the sins on his body so that you and I might be made holy through him. It's like Jesus was weaving a set of holy clothes for me and you to wear for when we appeared before the Father. We needed His holiness. And now, when the Father looks at you, when the Father looks at me, He doesn't see my unholiness anymore. He sees the holiness of my Lord and Savior, Jesus. Praise God. He provided the way for me to go to heaven. And listen, friend, that, that is the whole purpose for the cross. That is the whole purpose for the cross. To provide the holiness that God demanded. And the Bible puts it this way. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul said to that church, For God made Jesus who knew no sin... Perfectly holy. To be sin for us, we who are perfectly unholy. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, when we begin to understand the holiness of God more clearly. We'll see ourselves as we really are. But we'll also understand that cross a little bit better. But there's something else that will happen. We will begin to worship God in a way that he deserves. It won't be clocking in on a Sunday morning, clocking out at 12.05. You'll start worshiping him the way he deserves. You see, there's a definite connection, friend, between being exposed to the holiness of God and worshiping him. Let me give you a couple examples from the Psalms. In Psalm chapter 30, verse 4, David writes Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. Give thanks to the remembrance of his holiness. You're here to remember the holiness of God. And then in Psalm verse 47, the psalmist writes Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king. Isaiah learned that. God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over his nations. God sits on his holy throne. And then a psalmist wrote in Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Why does he reign? Because he's the king. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Exalt the Lord our God. And worship at his footstool. He is holy. You see just like love. Worship is more like a verb. Than a noun. Worship is something you ask. Actively do, not just passively watch other people do. It's something you do. All four of those men that I mentioned earlier, all worship God when they saw the holiness of God. So what should we do then when we're exposed to the holiness of God? Do we just come to church on Sundays and participate in a worship service? Is that it? I say that if you really understand God's holiness, our whole life will be affected. Our whole life will be a non-stop act of worship. You see, friend, everything, everything in your life, your money, your job, your hobby, your words, your, your relationships, your attitudes, everything should be affected by the holiness of God. You are His, purchased by the blood of His Son. And When we begin to understand God's holiness, when we begin to understand it more clearly, we'll begin to worship Him like He deserves. But then we'll also begin to cultivate habits of holiness ourselves. Are you seeing the progression here? The biblical progression. We see ourselves as we are. We begin to understand the cross a little better. When we understand the cross better. We begin to worship him as he deserves. And then we say that's not enough. I've got to change. So I start cultivating and incorporating habits of holiness in my life. Why? Because I recognize and I am appreciating the holiness of God. And therefore I am motivated to become holy myself. I want to be like my Jesus. I want to be like Him. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 1.15. But as God who called you is holy, you also be holy, listen to me, in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And I'll be the first one to acknowledge that ain't none of us going to ever be as holy as God. But, remember what holy means. Holy also means to set yourself apart. I can't be as holy as God, but I can certainly set myself apart from the world that I live in. I can certainly set myself apart for the purity of God, for the goodness of God, and to obedience to God as God is holy and set apart from humanity so I so you should be holy and set apart from the world in which you live you see we got to we got to learn to walk and chew gum at the same time we must learn to be separate from the world but we still got to be an influence on the world in which we live we got to do both We've got to do both. And when we begin to understand God's holiness more clearly. We start cultivating these habits of holiness within our own lives as parents. As husbands and wives. As co-workers and friends. Other people start looking on us and they see our face shining like Moses. And they say, hey, she has seen the holiness of God. He has been exposed to the holiness of God. He's different. He's set apart. But when we begin to understand that holiness more clearly. One thing that we will see and trust is that one day we're going to be like him. I can't speak for you. But the more I learn about God's holiness and I am still learning the more I learn about God's holiness, the more I yearn. I'm a poet and didn't even know it. The more I learn, the more I yearn. The more I yearn for the day when sin will no longer be a part of my life. How about you? The more you learn, the more you yearn for the day when sin will no longer be a part of who you are. Friend, I cannot wait. Cannot wait to be with God in heaven where I can love on him and where I can worship him, where I can honor him in holiness. I can't wait. Now, I understand I'll never be as as holy as Jesus in this life. But I also am so thankful for the promise of God in 1 John 3, 2. Where the apostle said, beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed who we shall be. But we know that when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. One day, we're going to be like him. One day, God's children are going to be just as beautiful inside and out as Jesus himself. And remember this, in heaven, sin will no longer define who you are. Holiness will. You'll no longer be defined by the sin in your life. You'll be defined by the holiness of Jesus Christ. Are you looking forward to seeing Jesus? Are you looking forward to being like him? Are you looking forward to it, friend? Well, if you are. It all begins, it all begins understanding that your place, that your place with our holy God in heaven depends, depends on if you have exchanged your unholiness for Jesus' holiness. That exchange took place there. Here on the cross of Jesus Christ, He exchanged your sinfulness for His sinlessness. Here on the cross of Christ, He exchanged your unworthiness for His worthiness. Here on the cross of Christ, Jesus exchanged your unholiness for His holiness when you begin to understand that a little more clearly, you'll see yourself as who you are. You'll understand what went down on that splintery, rugged, bloody cross. And you'll begin to worship God like he deserves. Friend, you begin to incorporate habits of holiness in your own life so other people can see Jesus in you. And one day, you're going to be like him. And no longer will your sin be defined, be defining you. Holiness will define you. My prayer for you is, is that you will embrace holiness. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge this morning that you are absolutely 100% perfect in every way. And that you are holy, holy, holy. Oh, Lord, we yearn for that. We yearn for what we so admire about you. And, Lord, you tell us in your word clearly that we can have it. If we will trust in the cross of Christ, if we will believe in what Jesus accomplished on that cross. When we will believe. That Jesus accomplished. The exchange. Of our unholiness. For his holiness. Lord our prayer this morning is. Is that perhaps someone. For the first time maybe. Understands that. Only absolute holiness. Can inhabit heaven. And perhaps they realize that. Their sin has put them aside, and they're not able to go until such time as they put all their faith and all their trust in the finished work of Jesus on that cross. Lord, perhaps there's a believer been I mean, coming here faithfully, week in, week out, but if they're honest, they haven't been worshiping you like they, like you deserve. They haven't been incorporating these habits of holiness that you call us to make. Father, let this be a new day. A new day of holiness. As we strive to be holy because you, our Lord God Almighty, are holy. Father, this decision time belongs to you. And we pray that as the Spirit directs, Everyone here will make a decision about holiness, your holiness. We embrace it this morning in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's all